It's not brain science. It's rocket surgery. This is kill and kill again. The Incomparable, number 561, April 2021. Welcome back to The Incomparable, Rocket Surgery. We're watching a movie that's bad, and we're going to talk about what the heck did we just see. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We watched 1981's Kill and Kill Again, a... I don't really want to call it a martial arts movie. A movie with shouting and punching uh, from 1981. Yeah! Just call it an art movie. If you go online, you will find that this movie is revered for the accuracy of its karate scenes. Okay. making that up. Alrighty. Uh, Can confirm. Let me me introduce my panel who watched this movie. Uh, Steve Lutz. Uh, you're the first member of the team that I'm rounding up. I told you, don't call me Popsicle. Oh. <laughs> Tony Sindelar is here. Hello. I said, don't call me Popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> Annette Weirstra is here. Hello. Hello, Chuckles. <laughs> oh, no. Hot Chuckles. Moises Chuyan joins <laughs> us as well. Hello. I'm not here of my own free will. I saw it on the news. <laughs> <laughs> and... The person responsible for us watching this movie. This is, I feel like, what what Frankenstein Island is to me, Kill and Kill Again is to Monty Ashley. Hello, Monty Ashley. <laughs> Hello. I have seen this movie dozens and <laughs> dozens of times. <laughs> you killed and killed again. Now, right off the bat, I have to take issue with this title. Literally only one guy gets killed in this movie. There is no killing again. No. They should just call it Kill. Well, it's sort of a sequel. Yeah, sequel to the film Kill or Be Killed, except that none of, although many of the actors are the same, none of the characters are. So how is it a sequel? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the fact that the original movie had a guy named Steve Hunt. And in this one, we have Steve Chase. (laughs) Yeah, he's totally different. It's, yeah. I'd watched this movie so many times when it was on television as a kid. And I was like, I love when they get that group back together. I'm going to watch the original movie where I bet those people had other... Oh, they, they're they just not in it? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> they seemed like they'd had adventures before. <laughs> so, yeah, and this movie really does act like this is getting the band back together. Oh, boy, do they spend a lot of time getting the band back together. That's the portion of the movie that's not punching and going, yeah! Mm, yeah, so it is a, a 1981 action film. It is a predominantly South African cast. IMDb says it was shot mostly in South Africa. Uh, Wikipedia says it wasn't. I don't believe Wikipedia. I believe IMDb. Um, it has lots of portions that look like California. But as we know, be, uh, because lots of international TV productions have realized this, South Africa has lots of locations that look like Southern California and I think that that's what we're seeing here. Although, I don't know, those of you who have seen Frankenstein Island, there are some hills and some trees that I was yeah, like, some, oh, there's man. There's some sunburnt, sunburnt grass that, you know, oh, that feels, could be anywhere. Feels real Frankenstein Island to me at that point. But uh, it's it's different. It's a different movie. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to walk through the plot because there is one. <laughs> Jason, 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 before you get to the dumb plot, oh. what about the amazing artistic opening of this film and we we open on a silhouette that until it appeared again i couldn't tell if it was a house plant or a monster <laughs> i didn't realize that it was the lead's head with his 
feathered, um, you know, flowing mane uh, mm. surrounding his head. But I, I was very confused. It is a James Bond-esque opening where there are titles over people's silhouettes. And I have a couple of things to say about it. One is that they didn't actually project the titles onto the people. They sort of rippled the titles a little bit to make it seem like they did, but they very clearly <laughs> didn't because at points, the titles are not over the people and and they still have the same effect. So it's it's fake. Also, I will say, when I was in high school, we did a title sequence like this and ours was not any worse. In fact, ours was mm. projected right on the people. So ours was actually better. Uh, so a bunch of high school kids... Uh, did a better job with their Bond homage opening title sequence. Let's not go too far into bashing all of the filmmaking on display because there is some stuff in here that I find downright admirable in terms of how well it's done. Uh, Not not this sequence. This sequence is garbage. Uh, I'm talking about well, other no, things. No, it's not entirely garbage. Not I entirely mean, the garbage. The silhouette and the credits project not not it's projected an, it's a, on it's him. It's an idea. Are, are not great, but yeah. there is some really solid waka chicka waka music yeah. going on mm, over these yeah. credits. And in fact, and there are credits. I, Early on in this film, I was unsure whether I was launching into a 1970s porno, and by the time I got to the end, I was still not entirely sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a real yeah. slow, bur- slow burn, Steve. Well, it's one of those one of those Cinemax pornos, right, Steve, where they edit out all the sex, and so you're like, why is there this strange plot? And then it cuts away every time everything yeah, gets hot. Much. And- pretty much. Hot and heavy, yeah. The opening credits establish an important theme of the movie, which is James Ryan's weirdly taut body Mm. and you have to get on board with that right away yeah if you're not on board with that i don't know what you hear if you're uncomfortable with this man flexing at all times and being incredibly stiff and taut all the time (laughs) all the time i don't know that can everyone just say taut one more time taut (laughs) thank you Annette. what i i was immediately there for though was the combination of the open shirt jeans and then mm. those glorious flowing locks and i was like mm-hmm. okay yeah do you that's a uh, south hot? african formal yeah it's 1981 you know? yeah what's what's in the shirt is just like a bundle of bungee cords it's like the it's man true. is made entirely of, of it's cord. true mm-hmm. we're gonna need more saran wrap to wrap around this ham i just want to mention for our people who maybe have not been suckered into watching the movie yet uh, there is, if you watch this on Amazon Prime, that's how I chose to watch it. Uh, the, when I watched it many years ago, I had to watch it on YouTube. Uh, eh. um, one of the advantages on Amazon Prime, there is a trailer, which is, you know, like trailer like, so it's like a minute and a half. Just as you could get a lot of the Frankenstein Island experience out of the gifts, you can get a lot of the kill and kill again experience out of the uh, the trailer. So you may want to watch that before you decide if I want to give this 100 more minutes. I watched this, in a, uh, the, 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 uh, the trailer with, with my partner. And Andrea was like, yeah, okay. Also, there's like one frame of a parrot in the trailer, which, yeah. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, you are going to be disappointed <laughs> that, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, there is there is a parrot in the movie and also fake parrot, fake parrot. Yep. I, yeah, I mean, very, the, very fake parrot. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. feel that it does bear mentioning uh, uh, that that there there is rife misogyny and racism in the movie. Yes. Oh, um, boy. That pe- people should really be ready for. Even more than you would expect by standard 1981 standards. Even perhaps. more. Yeah. Yeah. Night in 1981 more. South Africa? The shit you say. Yeah, there's a black person in the movie. I don't think he's South African though. The no, he is. is Jamaican. He the is South African. To be Jamaican, yes. He is South African. What I what I found which is interesting is I found the movie more sexist than racist. It's a it's a race. Again, not a race you want to win, but there mm. it is. Oh, Jason, I feel like it's neck to neck to the to the very end and I'm going to make various points about this. But I think what I what I would say is the sexism is more ongoing 
And the racism is in really focused moments where you're like, oh no. The sexism is undercut in a couple of scenes mm. on purpose where they go, ha ha, you thought she was useless, but she's not. Uh -huh. she Whereas the fight. racism is completely unnoticed by mm -hmm. the movie. That's, I, I, that's absolutely right. Absolutely the, right. The the thing that I'll for for the sake of uh, one of the 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 one black central character uh, is named Gorilla, yeah. and I feel like for the purpose of podcasting about it, I would love to not repeat that over and over. So I'm just going to refer to him as the Jamaican because he's okay. the Jamaican in the cast. Yeah. We could just we could call him the actor's name is Ken. We could call him Ken. There's another character whose name, as far as I am concerned, now that I am no longer a stupid eleven year old watching this at two p.m. on syndicated television i'm gonna call him billy yes but he's introduced <laughs> immediately after introducing gorilla by the way we were introduced to gypsy billy and i thought oh what am i in for here <laughs> uh, i'm in for kill and kill again is the answer Tra trailer yeah. park bill is 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 what bill. i i yeah. settled on there, there's a flavor of bill that doesn't have to be offensive for everyone there's ken yeah. the jamaican 1981 south africa uh very low budget karate movie um, you know, tune yourself accordingly before yes, turning sure. on this movie. Exactly. I was honestly shocked that it wasn't worse in both respects. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not shocking. And I'm willing to give it a pass only because I'm really not here to be impressed by this movie. I'm here to laugh at it and point at it and roll my eyes at it. And But it did add that other, that extra veneer of awfulness um, that, uh, you know, I again, I, I think I, I would expect from a product of South Africa in 1981. You know, some, something I am impressed by and, and something that I think is is part of what made it this a recurring favorite, problematic favorite um, piece of garbage to watch um, is is the Sun City International Martial Arts Confederation, that August body <laughs> that um, we all know. Judged by experts in martial arts, you know, yes. these real old dudes and mustaches. Yeah, yeah. So this is where the movie begins in Sun City. And it, it is this. The experts in martial arts are handing out essentially the man of the year award. The ex experts in martial arts are old men in mustaches. Absolutely. <laughs> they don't look like they've ever done a martial art in their life, but perhaps they did in the early 1900s. Yes. Although when announced as the experts, they do nod seriously. Also, shocked when martial arts break out at the, the uh, yes, yes, it is a surprise when yeah. martial arts happen at the. They martial are arts They are horrified well, when never. martial arts breaks out when a pickup a pickup game of martial arts enters the, the fray. This guy's cred is so huge that everywhere he goes, he is beset upon immediately on all sides by by assailants. So mm. one of the things that I appreciate about how this movie starts is that it gets right to it. So they're they're <laughs> doing this banquet basically outside for Man of the Year, but meanwhile. Presumably this this fellow, Steve, who is going to be awarded this honor, he's too busy having martial arts punch him ups inside the hotel as he tries to save a woman who we come to know is Candy Kane. Mm, with with two a K's. K. K's, yeah, that's right. I'm sure her middle name also. Uh, and you know that because he, he mentions it specifically. <laughs> he does. Candy cane with a K. Yes. With his inscrutable accent that I still don't know where it comes from. <laughs> am, I, am I pronouncing this correctly in my pseudo-Franco-South African And this is the kind of movie thing? where everybody's dialogue or almost everybody's dialogue sounds like it's been redubbed by a professional voiceover actor. Um, I believe professional is a strong word. <laughs> I, I believe that that Steve Chase is is voiced by the actual actor, although I can't be entirely sure about that. I will say that the lady playing Candy Kane, that is yeah. not her voice. No, way. Uh, not. yeah, 
No, that it it puts you in mind of an Italian giallo when mm. she talks. I things just don't quite match up to the no, emotions. There is something that I enjoy about the movie very early on, which is the uh, the quality of the writing and the quality <laughs> of the line delivery is perfectly matched to each other in a in a kind of beautiful <laughs> symmetry. Which is to say, they're both really bad. <laughs> They're both really bad. The writing is horrible, and I don't. Several people are not trying, or if they're trying, they're they're trying is not very good. Every Um, dialogue interchange has to try for James Bond one liner dumb uh and fail miraculously. I think the negotiation about payment for the job is uh, particularly memorable in how flat it is. If there were a novelization of this movie, every line of dialogue would be followed by the words "he quipped." Let me take a brief break. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by a podcast, another podcast. It's Podcast Inception, podcast within podcasts, ads for other podcasts. This podcast is called Inside the Breakthrough. It's a history of science podcast, and it's full of great did-you-know stuff, like the one I really like, uh, talking about what we're living through right now. The British thought they had polio wiped out in the late 1800s, but then, of course, it came back with a vengeance in America in the 1950s. Inside the Breakthrough explores the whole idea of the Eureka moment, that moment of insight. It's historical wisdom mixed with modern insight. Think of it as a history show and a science show. A little bit of humor thrown in there, too. The host, Dan Riskin, appeared on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. He's a funny guy, but he's hosting a history and science podcast. So if you're interested in science and discovery, I know I am, or maybe you just want some new stuff to talk about over your dinner. This is the show for you to try. Maybe you want to know, can you prevent polio by cleaning streets? Who brought the first elephant to England? And the, my favorite, because the answer will surprise you, does snake oil actually contain snakes? It's a collection of fun, entertaining, and surprising stories from the history of science. But those stories are connected to what modern-day medical researchers are facing. I listened to a couple episodes of this podcast. A lot of fun. Really great presenter. That snake oil story, boy. Yeah, that stuck with me. You should definitely check it out. Search for Inside the Breakthrough anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there'll be a link in the show notes. Thank you to Inside the Breakthrough for supporting The Incomparable. So I have a question about martial arts movies that I'd like to ask those people who understand martial arts movies. Now, yes, I Jason Son. I didn't see a lot of martial arts movies as a kid, but I was exposed you, to some. Poor you. Poor you. Mm. Here's my question. Are you going to ask why are they, why are they, are they all this overwhelmingly white? Is that your? Well, no, that, no, definitely oh, a lot not. Of it's it's yeah. a South African martial arts movie. I get that part. Jeff Speakman. Um, my question is this. I thought that the martial arts movies that I was exposed to were seemingly made in a different country and then dubbed into English. And so I thought the bad dubbing and weird sound effects uh, was a factor in the dubbing. However, this movie's in English and it has all of those same things. So am I, am I wrong? Are all martial arts movies full of people going, ah, oh, all the time? Because that's the, I, 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 this movie does that. Like, and also, by the way, I should just say the fights in this movie are really boring. But uh, leaving that aside for a minute, they're they're which they're, is a big problem loud. because they're about an hour and thirty eight minutes of the hour and forty yeah. minute runtime. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that this movie follows the standard karate movie foley effects of somebody punching a slab of meat and going ugh, right, and then cracking something going. So, ah! so is that part and of the genre of people... and and not just a uh, not just a side effect of them being dubbed? 
uh, well, the genre has a lot of dubbing built into it. Even if it is, say, for example, a Jackie Chan movie natively in Cantonese, there would be a lot of overdubbing because of sound effects and room noise and because the way that movies okay. that are as low budget as the as these are, they are very fly-by-night kind of operations where they're going, well, we can blow up this green mill if nobody notices for the next 45 they minutes. They have to end up shooting the movie and then a bunch of guys stand in front yeah. of microphones afterward and are Let, hitting each other let's and going, just make sure, oh. uh-huh. Let's make sure that we make it look the way that we need to. We can redo all the sound. Right. Yeah. Okay. The first fight did look like it was probably just filmed in the hotel they were all staying in. <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Also, the sound of the fight you know how Bruce Lee would go, Aww. well, everybody in this movie thought that was the coolest thing ever, <laughs> so they're all doing it all the time. All the time. And this, and this is an era of martial arts movies that are like, oh, we're going to do the white version of the Bruce Lee thing, and it's going to totally work, and then it totally does no. not work. I, I should mention Candy Cade's father, by the way. He is a, uh, he is a brilliant scientist. That's why he named her Candy Cane. Dr. Horatio mm. Kane. Did the producers of whatever NCIS whatever when they named David Caruso's character is that a reference to Kill and Kill again or is it just a happy accident? <laughs> Look, it, it is entirely it. possible. There's only so many stories you can tell, Jason. Man yeah, only, <laughs> eventually, you'll get back to Horatio Kane. <laughs> yeah, eventually, Man vs. Horatio Kane comes around again. Yeah. There's, you know. Okay. So I, I want to say uh, two quick things about this opening fight. Mm-hmm. One in the middle of it. Steve Chase hits a jackpot on a slot machine. Oh, <laughs> that maybe that legitimately. So he's fighting in the in the casino, and one of his fight moves, he pulls down the arm of the of the slot machine, and it goes seven seven seven. And I and I laughed out. I did. I laughed at that. I thought that no was explanation hilarious. is who put the quarter in the machine. But yeah, you know that lady who has to jump away because there's there's people punching each other in the casino. Uh, there's think. a lot of ladies jumping away. I didn't identify one playing uh. that particular machine, but you know, okay. And two, uh, I'm gonna call back to this later so i have to say now steve chase's fight style has a lot of handsprings and flips in it Mm. to the point where he ends the fight by doing a giant forward flip and while upside down above the other guy hitting him in the back of the head with an ashtray and then landing this is where they got the idea for yoda's fighting style (laughs) (laughs) you know you're not far off i don't think uh, because steve chase makes liberal use of like forward gainer jumps to like hop down from a low terrace um, and he, he, he employs some of the most spectacular gymnastic moves to like walk across, um, uh, you know, a, a patch of grass, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of mirrored in our central villain taking a helicopter to walk a block and a half. Yes. A small, like. a very small helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's adorable. It's cute. It's a starter helicopter, Jason. <laughs> you know? the, 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 the one thing about the hotel setting with the, the international um, martial arts confederation of a small city in South Africa um, that I wanted to point out is the whole crowd that is assembled there look incredibly confused and like they don't know why they are there, mm-hmm. which makes so much more sense when we understand the inciting incident of the plot having to do with a petroleum substitute slash mind control ju- yeah. drug. In a, in a way, yeah. the confusion of the crowd to state to uh, Steve Chase's arrival is but a metaphor for the confusion we will feel when presented with the plot of the movie. Yeah. I, I think my favorite part of this opening fight is it, uh, it it starts in the casino and then makes its way out to the pool area where mm-hmm. the ceremony is happening. And it goes on for quite a while outside oh, yes. by the pool. And after it's already been going on for several minutes, uh, 
you hear a guy in the background excitedly announce, ah, Steve Chase. I, <laughs> I don't know where he's been all this time. He's been there fighting for about 30, 30, 45 seconds, but it's like, ah, Steve Chase. Oh, yeah, I didn't, re- I didn't get a good look at him to see wh- who was doing the martial arts fight here, and it turns it's, out it's, it's, the guy, it's the guy we're honoring. It's Steve Chase. He, he should have known from the creativity in his fighting I, style. I've heard so much about him. By the way, uh, you talk about cut-rate James Bond. The moment that really speaks that to me is at the end of this, where, where uh, the, the guy brings the, um, the bottle of champagne <laughs> And it and and it's the exploding bottle of champagne. So Steve Chase throws it out the window, and then he says, "It must have been domestic." <laughs> he also yeah. discovers what? a bug inside the piano because the E above middle C doesn't play anything. Mm-hmm. Which it's a weird uh, place to put your bug. Is all I'm saying. He punches the guy <laughs> who serves the champagne. He pulls him out of the hallway and punches him. It's a and I also, like I we're so, it, it almost comes off like we're obsessed with this opening, but it is it is surprisingly effective in some ways as jason said it just gets down to business yeah it does that so much that the intercutting of the of the chase that steve chase is undergoing i wasn't sure if we were seeing a montage explaining who he is and how incredibly good he is and then when i realized he was fighting through the hotel to get there i went okay movie maybe you're not terrible and then five minutes later i changed my mind as i routinely did throughout yeah you wonder if you're seeing like the story of how he got to be honored as man of the year and it turns out no he's literally fighting his way to the ceremony where the fight will continue (laughs) and that part of it i was like all right and then yes indeed moises then it's like oh no no not all right but that part i'm gonna i'm gonna say this and you can agree or disagree but there. For such a stupid movie, there's a surprising amount of competence on display. Oh yeah, in elements of it, and and one of those is the choreography and the endless fight scenes is actually something that you can follow. And oftentimes there's like five or six individuals that are fighting in a closed space, but you never really lose track of what's going on at any given moment. And that's hard to pull off, especially yes. when you've got an hour and hour and thirty mm-hmm. minutes of fighting going on. So, you know, there's 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 stuff here that actually works. It doesn't work at all, but at the same time, it works a little bit because it's there's it's some done. admirable things uh, in here. Yeah, somewhere. And what what it made me think of is like they feel like they've been fighting together for a long time, and I'm like, oh, so these are guys who had a fighting club somewhere, and they're they 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 put all these like choreography together and then they decided to like string it together with this weird movie with a potato <laughs> plot. But it's like, uh, yeah, it's like they felt like really cohesive. It does feel like that. Yeah. Like, oh, so like they're a club. Hey guys, they're I, like, let's make a movie. I got a, let's I got a, it on a weekend. I got a film camera. Wouldn't it be a kind of a kick if exactly. we got together one weekend and made yeah. a movie out of all of our stupid practices? I mean, we could do that. I know a couple of karate schools where mm-hmm. we, that will let us film practices, and that'll take up like 15, 20 minutes easy. <laughs> exactly. Do they already have matching blue shirts? No, I was going to say, <laughs> and I, I've ordered 40 t-shirts that we can use. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the KOA, the KOA campgrounds uh, got a misprint on these shirts. We can have them for free. Um, it's got, close to their logo, but not quite. I got more material on the t-shirts later. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> We've got a tight we, five we coming on the t-shirt. Oh, man. t-shirt material, oh, wait, I would say if it, a lot of those t-shirts did not seem to have sufficient material. I, I um, want to say something about the fights before we move on so that it's said. and Because and, and, okay. uh, I've got callbacks to it. So the the reverence for a lot of the karate stuff, there's a lot of technique stuff that is very sharp and, and like the form of different stuff is well done. Um, 
late in the movie, our our boy Hot Dog, we're going to talk about Hot Dog a lot. Hot Dog takes a full on throat punch and doesn't react. <laughs> so so there, there, it, it's very much a two sided thing where some of the stuff looks very pretty. And if you're really paying attention to it, you're like, what the heck? Or you notice that there's some really cool, like three kick combo that somebody's throwing, but for some reason they've decided to cut into it in between the second and third kicks um, in terms of the frame, like the framing is off. So you see like the back half of a guy and not his foot actually kicking somebody. So it's, it's, it's very hit and miss, um, so to speak, uh, uh, in, in a variety of respects on, on that front. But, but what, what ends up getting boring at various points is what, um, the, well, the, the, the ancestral cultural term for it is Chuck Norris bullcrap, um, that is just showy. Look, I'm kicking and I've got a, like a gusset in my jeans so I can kick really high. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that, like, that is the, when people talk about the boring stuff, it's that to me. And, the people that are like, oh, but the technique, yeah, but it's uh, uh, it's real, it's real boring uh, to get to some interesting technique stuff. Um, there, there's much better chop socky stuff uh, to be found elsewhere. You you get to watch real accurate katas get done. Yes, yes. Yeah. I got my friends from the dojo, and we're going to make a movie. That really is basically what this is. <laughs> so um, let's let's get the band together because that's that's what needs to happen here. Is that is that uh, uh, Steve Chase has to is going to, um, in order to do whatever stupid thing he needs to do for this movie, he's got to get his buddies. I just want to say it out loud so that the listeners understand. Dr. Horatio Kane has found <laughs> oh, a no. fuel from potatoes. <laughs> One year's yes. crop can provide enough gasoline to drive every car in the world to the moon, and it's also a mind control drug. <gasps> what a savings. How did they find that out? Interesting benchmark of driving a car to the moon. Mm. And that alone would make it worth a fortune, but then they found out that it also can be used as a mind control drug if injected. Yeah, because I'm always injecting gasoline from potatoes. They say that two preposterous, two two preposterous premises are less believable than one, but and the one was pretty preposterous already. So yeah. and the so, fuel doesn't come into it at, at all, except no, at we all, see a gas at pump all. at one point and it has blue gas. Mm. So mm. this miracle fuel has. Uh, Dr. Horatio Crane invented it. It has fallen into the hands of an evil person about whom we will say much more later. Mm-hmm. And Steve Chase <laughs> needs to get the band back together to go get stop him to, to rescue. The idea here is that Candy Kane, the, the beautiful woman who is dubbed in, um, she it's her father and he needs to be rescued. So he needs to get the band back together and we meet the band. First, we, 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 we meet, meet the, the fly. fly. But we watch the we watch the fly who apparently flies using a meat hook, I guess. Uh, to to hover sideways. It's the fly. He lights his candle with his feet, even though he right. does have arms. He just uses his feet because he's showing off. What's happening in this scene is we learn that he is a master of feet based <laughs> stuff. Yes, like lighting a lighting candle candles. and then f- including shaking the match off and flicking it away mm-hmm. with his yeah. feet, and then he walks into the room standing still and sliding sideways. And I'm convinced that's yes. because he has complete control over the muscles of the soles of his yes, feet. Yes, that's mm. exactly it. Oh, yeah, exactly that was my reading it. of it. His feet, okay. his, the, the soles of his feet look like snakes. They're undulating under there. You just don't get to mm. see that. I like, I like that with six of us, it took the person who's seen it dozens of times <laughs> to be able to articulate what this guy's deal yeah. is. And his character trait is that he says vague nonsense like, it's a game between tigers and dragons, a game in which both sides bleed profusely. And then everyone says, Ooh. oh, 
profound. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Except yeah. nobody bleeds yeah. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. The introduction of the fly, I find very memorable. The fly gets a little a little <laughs> lost in the uh, the chaos uh, as the movie. The fly uh-huh. speaks in in direct to VHS martial arts movie mm. taglines. Also, I've got to mm-hmm. say, lighting a candle with your feet really not that hard. <laughs> this is not an impressive trick you're showing me. Well, uh, have so, you done this, Steve? He, I could. He, Wouldn't be that tough. <laughs> he refuses the call to adventure from mm. the hero yeah. and then crawls down the side of a building to walk across <laughs> the street and go to get a subway sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it is the only real black character in the movie, uh, played by Ken Gampu. His name is Gorilla. Yep, that's what they call him. Uh, and so he he like is a wrestler, but he got kicked out of wrestling because he's biting people's ears off. And he he tug he fights in a tug of war battle with like literally everybody else on his work site, and then he quits. Yeah. You know, good, good old fashioned construction site tug of war. Yeah, his foreman mm-hmm. has this full on Yosemite Sam voice. Yep. I fired you first. You can't fire me. I quit. I quit first, you. And then there's a whole, oh, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's, oh, man. It's just as racist as the old Looney Tunes. And it sounds like them, too. It is. We can agree it's hilarious. Uh, We also meet Gypsy Billy. Yes, again. Mm -hmm. Gypsy Billy lives in a field of of old abandoned trucks and varied musical cues because as he walks along, you're treated to a different type of music for every person that he passes. It's very strange. He lives in a combination trailer park and junkyard. Yes. In a bus full of chickens. I want to know, does anyone understand this line? This is one of my main reasons for making you all watch this movie. Okay. Is for oh, no. To explain this line Well, I'm concerned me. that you're not Already. going to get what you were hoping for because we're all <laughs> a little lost. So, uh, Billy is leaving. Uh, the guy who owns the trailer park, who might be named Vampire, gives him <laughs> $2 security deposit back, and Billy says, two bucks, I gave you five. And uh, Steve kind of goads him into fighting, going, you going to let him get away with that? And Billy looks over at him and shrugs and says, he's got the franchise. What? Yeah. I, I, I thought this is, I'm like, oh, so he he could doesn't want to ruin his chances at all of the trailer parks across whatever area. <laughs> so it's like if he messes up with this guy, he can never stay at a trailer park again. That's how okay. I interpret it. Okay, so go with me on this. Uh, this guy's sitting in the armchair. He is ever present across all combination trailer parks and junkyards where people who who live in trailers with the words gypsy ex champion of the world written on them tend to reside yes and billy does not want to um doesn't does not want to offend this ethereal being yeah he's gonna get banned from all of these places if he offends this guy you can probably get a franchise for 10 bucks so a bunch of south african hillbilly goons come out and they fight two things about billy first of all he's roger waters with a headband which is a little weird and secondly yeah he's he's apparently according to the side of the bus he's living in world champion of something and based on his (laughs) fighting style i'm going to guess it was unnecessary flips (laughs) also his look is a jumpsuit unzipped to the waist with a big ridiculous belt yes he does have basically a a belt that looks like it might be left over from a halloween pirate costume um so (laughs) it probably is possibly a pilgrim we see one of the uh trademark uh male bonding moves of this movie which is one person fighting and somebody else looking on going "Eh, i think you'd, you'd be able to handle it there's only and then you know five twenty whatever people in this movie love not participating because ah, I figured you had it. Works every time. 
Mm-hmm. We do get a, some plot detail at this portion of the film uh, about the potato fuel. There's a whole like PowerPoint presentation about potato fuel. Um, <laughs> we learned that Wellington Forsythe III, Marduk, is what he goes by. He is trying to uh, uh, put together this plot where he is going to take over the world and use everybody, use a potato thing to do mind control. Um, they're going to take a p- private jet to get to near him and then take the back roads. That's a... Uh, uh, an important detail they can't go straight there they have to go in and then take the back roads but before they do that they need to uh recruit hot dog and his bag of tricks yes gorilla at this point <laughs> looks over at, at steve chase and says steve this is going to be a tough job i think we should recruit hot dog with his bag of tricks and his bag of tricks is somewhat underwhelming i have to say because <laughs> yes. his, his, his bag of tricks seems to consist entirely of a box of thumbtacks it's really, <laughs> Which he picks it's up really more of a bag plane, of right? trick Before we even get to Hot Dog, though, we have to address Marmaduke, I mean Marduke, Marduke's uh, beard. Yes. Um, (laughs) We don't get a really good look at it yet. Well, no, we're about to to parachute into Marduke's lair, and then we get a good look at his beard. You you mean his fake beard? You mean his his, his Lee (laughs) Press-On beard? Is that what you mean, Moises? (laughs) I believe in Incomparable Episode 158, uh, Monty spoke at length about the quality of the fake beard, or lack of quality of the fake beard. And that was really what sold me on this movie. So <laughs> it's the worst beard in cinema. It's real bad. It's real bad, but you know, what's real, real good. And I wish the whole movie revolved around is Minerva, Minerva. the yes. pink haired yeah. bully underling. Oh, she's amazing. Minerva is a jewel in the, in the rough that is kill it, kill it again. She yeah. is Marduk's sidekick. And she thinks he and this whole movie are stupid. And uh-huh. she refuses yes. to take it him or it seriously <laughs> she's got the like the red the like dyed red hair she refers to him by a series of sort of demeaning uh diminutive uh <laughs> phrases including you know honey child and angel face and there are many more that come later Popsicle. pumpkin pie chuckles honeysuckle Buttercup. he always and and their their relationship seems to be that she uses demeaning names and he goes stop doing that and she doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's it she's really the boss of that whole thing yeah i think uh-huh. she thinks marduk is her sidekick he never uh, threatens yes. her yeah. with loss 100%. of elite status because she would kick his ass upside yeah. down yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah loss loss of elite status a lot of people waving around oh you're not going to be able to go into the lounge at the united yeah, desk exactly uh, he's got a little harem of mind-controlled karate slaves because he knows she's not having any of him yes exactly <laughs> right that's that's some of the that's some of the uh kind of uh uh clear sexism in the movie is that he he's just got there's just bikini girls around like he wants them around Everywhere. so they're around and they're not they're not wearing blue t-shirts like all the lackeys are all of his lackeys because he does have he has he has like a there's like a, a an elite class that wears khakis and then they're the lackeys the lackeys don't wear khakis <laughs> lackeys don't wear khakis the lackeys <laughs> are in blue t-shirts people <laughs> mm. <laughs> lackeys don't wear room. khakis oh my god <laughs> so happy right now um but but you know you know what you know what a double elite is 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 the one man who wears no shirt whatsoever. Oh, the guy who, Oh, the after he got the potato jab, um, Ah. like he, he was no longer like, this is nothing against, you know, middle-aged people or older people who are, you know, into, you know, physical pursuits like martial arts. But this guy seems like somebody's grandpa who got into Taekwondo after retiring and just happened to be really tall. 
and Marduk decided to make this his optimum fighter, mm, the, you Optimus. Mean, uh, the Optimus. The Optimus. Prime. Mm. Yes. Now, this part of the movie, <laughs> you, listener, if you will picture Enter the Dragon. Put that out of your mind. <laughs> now, picture it a little worse, like vaguely, <laughs> like you think worse. you've heard of it. Like a Swede of Enter the Dragon. Now, like, like maybe you got some Windex in your eyes, and you can't see real yeah. clearly. So later on, there's going to be a little tiny tournament, and there's a big bad guy, and that bad guy has a big graying handlebar mustache, uh-huh. and he's... He's he tall. does look like he was probably cast based on knowledge of his height. Yes. Yeah, he's beefy. He, he's, he's tall. He's very tall. Yeah, he, he's got he's got a great look to him, and the just for men coloring in his hair is doing yeah. most of the work it needs to. I will say, you know, their attempt, the, the, you know, they are using it seems like genuine martial artists. There's a lot of receding hairlines among the, the South African martial artists. Look, when you kick that hard, it blows your yeah. hair back. So it hard. does. Okay, and let me tell you, the optimist, <laughs> the optimist destroys those lackeys in the t-shirts. Yeah. He really Ruins does. Them. Like they're not, they can't measure up to him he's not even breaking a well he's sweaty but he's not breaking much of a sweat it's not, it's not yeah, extra he's sweat not breaking a glisten he's exactly yeah. that's just just enough to look good only one balding character has the sense to wear a trucker hat all the time yes. to disguise right. it. <laughs> so <Yeah>. hot dog <laughs> such a good segue let us unpack hot dog <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry so, i want to get to hot dog just as much as you do but the helicopter ride, the helicopter Okay, ride. there is a tiny helicopter. It looks very dangerous, especially when you get off of the tiny helicopter and you have to bend <laughs> yes. way down so that the blades don't kill you. And then, and then you get outside of the hazard. circle of your landing and you're like, can I get my head up now or am, am I going to die? Or I'm just going to stay bent down here for a long time <laughs> in the tiny helicopter. They blew the budget on that helicopter, yeah. though. You know it. They were like, how many times can we use this? How yeah. many times? That explains Twice. the beard. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> they could couldn't afford the beard. It's all in the helicopter. Oh my god, we spent so much on this <laughs> mini helicopter. <laughs> Jason, Jason, I promise I want to go to Hot Dog Heaven. The oh, one last thing I want to say okay. is the line that I quoted in the intro. Uh, I'm not here of my own free will. I saw it on the news. Uh, it comes from where we meet Doctor Horatio Kane for the first time yes. in this in this new Babylon sequence. Right, because because Marduk is summoned by Doctor Kane. He's like, Doctor Kane is I, summoning me. It's like outrageous I'm not to be summoned. And yet he summons him. He goes. Yeah, yeah. he does. He just refused. He's he's summoned fifty yards, which they have to take the helicopter to cross. Yeah. <laughs> we get a pretty good aerial view of the compound, which is full of mind controlled karate slaves doing karate and yard work. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. As you do. But inefficient. As it turns out. And it just, I, I enjoy how completely uh, unthreatening the central villain is at this point because we see his sidekick bullying him, mm-hmm. um, his captive summoning him in a way that he has to take his helicopter to go see him. And his helicopter is very small. <laughs> <laughs> And his captive saw a report about himself on the news that broke uh-huh. the mind control drug mm. that he invented. Right. So they have to re-inject him because yeah. to like top him up to keep him embalmed. Oh, sorry, that's Frankenstein Island. It's similar. It reminds me of that time back in Philadelphia. Oh no! no. Work the arm. Okay, I'll work it. Uh, so, hot dog. So from Horatio Kane, we get the, the the information dump about the first of many operations we're going to hear oh, about. Oh, man. Operation Water Supply. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, before we get the Operation hot dog, Exposition, let's talk about initiate. It. Every, because one of, one of Marduk's fatal flaws is a lack of clever titles for his operations. Yeah. His operation... Operations are all just named for the thing they're going to do. Yeah. So it's like now begins Operation Water Supply. Like, 
Operation what, Water about? Supply. Yeah, I would call that Operation Wet Wet Brain. You named yourself you know? Marduk and the place New Babylonia, and then the theming was just over. They literally they yeah. send T-shirts. some they send some guys to beat up our heroes later in the movie by dropping them out of a plane and they skydive down and then they're gonna beat them up. Operation Skydive. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. You a- nailed it. You got it in one. And they yeah. used the most brightly colored parachutes that the Parachute Club had. Yep. <laughs> Make the t-shirts. The oh. fact that they have guns comes into play way later than you would think, unless you're thinking, oh, that's right. They have all those karate schools that they need to make use of. Mm. Hot dog. Hot dog. I <laughs> hot dog. Speaking of guns, hot we get dog. to meet hot dog now. <laughs> Yeah, there's a gun right there. He's playing the world's dumbest game. They're playing a gunfire game. It's not like uh, it's not even. Uh, you think like Russian roulette is bad? Oh, this is worse. This, this is, is le- this a, is like that, but less classy. Basically. Yeah, this is drop a, ge- a gun and see where it fires. I was laughing so much. Like, did did they masterfully not show us a bunch of this so that we were able to imagine how ridiculous it was? No, we I don't see know. every part of it. Here's how <laughs> Russian roulette works. And we learned that I think Hot Dog is the only person who does this because at the end he says, it's damn hard to teach these guys a new game. <laughs> so everybody put cash underneath the uh, metal dome if you're in the next round. We are in a warehouse. Yep. <laughs> uh, Hot Dog puts a bullet in the gun, cocks it, and throws it in the air. <laughs> and somewhere it lands, and then the bullet ricochets a while, and maybe it hits you, and maybe it doesn't. If hmm. it didn't, you can be in the next round. Yeah, a guy yeah. gets hit in the leg. The guy who gets hit in the leg gets to leave. You'd think maybe he wins money, but no. Okay, so so I did see all of it. I just couldn't make any sense of it. <laughs> Russian roulette, but way dumber. Hot Dog is wearing a Budweiser hat, which I enjoy. He is not wearing his trademark outfit yet. No. His, his orange mall kiosk t-shirt that yes, says hot dog. That says hot dog, which just lets you know who it is. <laughs> I just assume that that belongs to the act. That's how the actor showed up on set. Presumably his mom got him when she was walking through the mall and discovered the t-shirt kiosk and was like, you know who would like this? Hot I disagree, Steve. I think someone got him that shirt and he thought it was cool and, and they started calling him hot dog. Name. Yeah, that, yeah, that could be. That but could his catchphrase is also hot dog, which he says after his signature move. <laughs> Hot yeah. dog. So, so yep. when when we were introduced to hot dog, is the moment I went, oh no, Stephen J. Cannell was a huge fan of Kill and Kill Again, because this is yeah, basically the A Team happening. It is here. totally this is the A Team. Mad Murdoch. I, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but I have a hard time believing the A Team exists in a world without Kill and Kill Again. Like oh, it's, God, too it's too close. It's too close. Well, this movie was actually sort of sort of well known in the states. Weirdly enough, for it a tiny little a low budget uh you know piece of crap from south africa because i i certainly knew about it i don't think i ever saw it when i was a kid but i remember the name very well and i think it actually did fairly well at the box office considering it aired all the time i know that yeah yeah the other thing it reminded me of was top secret yeah oh yeah sure with that whole little i mean like, there's a certain amount gang. of just generic getting the gang together to pull off a yeah. heist kind of thing that's you know that's that's a trope but i mean the fact that we've got a very clear ba baracus and a very clear howlin mad murdoch at this point yep at, at, mm-hmm. is this is it is it hot dog is he the one who says are you assembling <laughs> yeah <laughs> are you assembling again you're too dangerous and from that we can conclude steve must be very dangerous because mm. left to his own devices hot dog does this russian roulette thing yep. can i describe his signature move okay yes, yes please please. Yep. please do so if somebody sasses him or makes eye contact in any way <laughs> he will walk up to them take their cigar stub out of their mouth they have a cigar stub in their mouth yes dip the mouth end 
into beer or whiskey or whatever's handy, suck the alcohol out of it, oh. put it back in the guy's mouth, and then say, hot dog, and walk away. <laughs> and nobody's mad because they are correctly- He's howling mad! by this. Like, what was- I thought mm-hmm. I was getting in a fight with him and not- Okay, and they just shake it off. And he doesn't like- th- No, that's that's his move is like, is like yeah. he just confuses you. You're like, I don't even know what that was. Okay. Yeah. He, that, uh, the precursor to Tuxedo Mask, who throws a rose and confuses the bad guy, and mm. then the 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 capable superheroes defeat the bad guy. <laughs> I don't. I don't like the dotted line from Hot Dog to Tuxedo Mask. I'm very I, look, I don't that. either. I don't either. But it's there. I mean, it's weird, but it's also super gross because not only is yes. he sucking the <laughs> yeah. whiskey out of the end of a of a cigar, he's also sucking that dude's spit out of the end yep. of a cigar, yep. and he gives it back. The hot dog that he lets out afterwards is like a oh yeah that was good spit <laughs> oh, hot, dog. Yeah. hot dog hot dog hot dog Ooh, hot. That, that's the secret hot dog is actually an extraterrestrial he's the only real <laughs> alien in the movie and he feasts off of human bacteria that's <laughs> what it is makes some sense so we got our we uh they're going in without the fly apparently uh there's there is w- wacky hijinks uh on the airplane uh we'll call him what what are we calling him ken ken, ken. Ken is uh I'm not gonna call him that yet. Ken is uh Ken has never been on a plane before. I ain't getting on no plane, Murdoch. That's not racist. Mm-hmm. That's not racist and, uh, at all. No. Although it does lead to a moment that I think is kind of funny, which is he really needs to use the bathroom, so he just literally smashes down the airplane bathroom door. And who who among us hasn't wanted to do that? And then he's like left holding it, and he's like, "Well, what do I do with this now?" Uh, yeah, that's a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Although somehow he manages to fit in the airplane bathroom with the door and another dude. <laughs> there, there, this is the first instance of incredible economy of space inside. In- Closed bathrooms, uh, where <laughs> we will see this a theme, again later. A theme in this, this is a theme. This is a theme. <laughs> They're the only people on this flight, and they've been on it for a while. And then they notice that Candy Kane is also on the flight. She's yes, been sitting do. there the whole <laughs> time, guys. Sneaky. Yeah, it's not that big a charter. Um, she's a woman. Yeah, people just ignore her. They just ignore her. Yeah. Who's, who's that lady up there? Yes, that we already know. And yes, Hot Dog does a Humphrey his his best Humphrey Bogart impression. Mm. Ooh, yeah, he's the comic relief. Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. Okay, now. Duchess, let's see how smart you are. Lead us to the fly. And so again, we see the fly, and he's in his karate outfit, and he somehow she knows exactly which circle of candles he's hanging. Yeah. Out yes, he's in. floating. There's and, no way to know where he is. He's in the ether somewhere. Yeah, he's floating. I, I think modestly. It's sort of a like I don't want to show off too much, but yeah, I'm floating. Uh, and he says, I wrote down his wisdom here, which is, feet alone are insufficient. The mind that leads the feet needs to be wise. Mm. <laughs> and then yeah. Steve proves he's it's wise because he can also levitate briefly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Neither of them levitate when it's useful. Yeah, Steve Steve does some counter-floating there just to be like, I can do that too, jerk. Now come with me back to my uh, my job. Steve right. can do everything anybody on his team can do. Mm. Yeah. Gorilla is so good at tug-of-war, he can take out six people. Steve takes out Ken. Yeah, the, um, the moment that I like here... Uh, this is a really dumb movie, people, if you haven't already figured that out. But just, the moment I love <laughs> oh, here, because I love, I love the purity of it. The, when he goes to see the fly, 
Um, the fly like turns around to make himself some tea and then turns back and Steve is floating and he's like, Oh, and then he turns around and comes back and he's not floating again. It's like, Oh, Oh. And I'm like, yeah, this is stupid. That's great. (laughs) By the way, with us talking about this, this mysticism and the fact that this guy is named the fly. And if you've not seen this movie, you might be tempted to think, Oh yeah, the fly sounds like he's probably kind of a cool mystical dude, but no, no, he's, he's, he's dollar store. David Carradine. He is just as schlubby and bald. And yeah. ridiculous looking. I mean, these are the five schlubbiest dudes. I I have to say, after the flies uh, is introduced to us and does some mystical things, I kind of frequently got confused when they weren't talking. Which guy was the fly and which guy was Billy when they were in scenes? Yeah, because yeah. totally the same. Yeah. I was like, did he go or did he not go? They do have. They clearly have very stylized dialogue, but they just look like generic dudes in the background a lot of the time. They have roughly the same Prince Valiant haircut. Yeah, they yeah. have the same haircut, um, which seems like yeah. they probably gave it to themselves as a, as a, a cost saving measure. Yeah, <laughs> like this the, this general like journey to New Babylon section has a bunch of weird stuff marbled into it. Like the 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 thing with with Ken the Jamaican on the plane. Um, we talked about those concentrated batches of racism. The stewardess makes sure to make reference to him being an animal mm. and uncontrollable. And it, you know, him smashing in the door it is funny uh, for a second. And then, um, and then the, the, the way that they couch it just, it is that like we said earlier, at least the movie is conscious of the misogyny stuff and tries to undercut it. The movie, this South African movie makes, in 1981 makes absolutely no effort uh, to do anything to undercut how incredibly poorly they treat this guy. What's weird is later on when there's this poker scene between him and hot dog, he's clearly making fun of hot dog and getting the best of hot dog all the way around. But that's that, that that's that's that scene and yeah. this is this scene and i mean the, the worst part of it is it, he knocks down the door and it just totally infantilizes him it's like oh well, i had to go potty you yeah. know it's yeah it's yeah. just it's, it's it's depressing to watch and hot and hot dog gets to be the cool redneck who does voices and blah, 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 and has a budweiser hat but to be fair he's also useless in all fights you do you missed uh, some something else important that happens here which is that it turns out that Ladies can do kung fu, people. What? Oh, no, like, in, in, the, in the year 1981? She can. Let me explain to you how the punching works, Candy Cane with K's. And and she's like, oh, punch, punch, and I'm going to knock you guys down like dominoes. And it's like, whoa, what? Uh, is a little r- reveal <laughs> that we oh, have here. Oh, the wacky music that accompanies oh. them falling like <laughs> Okay, this is very important to me. Um, you get just the most boring monologues about the importance of martial arts delivered in sync by Marduk to a bored Minerva mm-hmm. and Steve to Candy Cane. Also bored. Steve's explanation of martial arts is no wasted motion, no wasted energy. Every flick of the finger must have a meaning. Every step, every breath, even the Super slightest profound. flick of the head. Later on, <laughs> Steve is going to do two backhand springs and a forward flip with a full <laughs> twist just to move 20 just, feet. Yeah, yeah, just for movement. No not... wasted motion mm-hmm. is something I say all the time no. watching martial arts. <laughs> because, motion. oh my, does The rules don't apply to Steve Chase. How do you know mm. that he wasted that motion? That might have been exactly what was called for at that moment. Mm. Because he just stops, like when he has to enter 
New Babylonia, and he does it by jumping off of a trampoline and doing a double forward flip. <laughs> That's <laughs> my favorite thing in the movie, though, because there's two guards yeah. walking in opposite They're directions. Very close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> As a part of cutting back and forth between Steve and Marduk, uh, we discover that Marduk has a secret plan to intercept our heroes. Yeah. What's it called, Jason? Operation Intercept. (laughs) (laughs) It's Operation Intercept, Pumpkin Pie. Stop calling me names, Minerva. Whatever you say, Chuckles. But but the nature of Operation Intercept is is kind of special so, in itself. The secret backroads trip means uh, on the secret backroads, you just drive up to a saloon and say, hey, do you know any place called uh, Ironville that we're going to? Like, literally, yes. you're just saying where Super you're going. Secret. Operation Intercept absolutely hinges on the fact that they're definitely going to stop at this, at this saloon and <laughs> yeah. ask directions from the, the handful of hicks yep. as to where this place that isn't supposed to even exist is. I, yeah. was, that, I believe it is around here that they get out of the truck and Hot Dog complains that he has to ride in the back instead of the woman. or And then he also uh, yeah. basically complains that Ken gets to ride in front and uses a slur. So that's great. Hot Dog. Hot Dog's such hot a cool dog. guy, though. <laughs> no, Remember Hot Dog? That, he's, he's not cool. Everybody agrees he has to be in the back. Like, yeah. Of course yeah. you're in the back, Hot Dog. You're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was speaking from Hot Dog's perspective. From yeah. Hot Dog's yeah. perspective, <laughs> Hot Dog is a cool guy. Hot Dog has a bag with nunchucks in it. It's But it's his bag of tricks. They, they blow out candles with some fancy kung fu. A dude pours a beer on the fly. I think one guy gets knocked down just by being shouted at, which was a moment <laughs> yes. that I thought was very yes. impressive. Hot Dog does his thing again. The one guy spits out a candle. You know when they walk into the bar that it's a tough joint because it's candle lit. Uh huh. Yes, there are a lot of candles. A lot of it's an interesting decor choice. Five lit candles and one Confederate flag on the wall. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, these guys love looking like they are in the American South. There's banjo music. Yep. There's mm-hmm. cowboy hats. There's a real friendly looking bully. By mm. the way, the result of all this nonsense that goes on where there's the whole big bar fight and everything is just take the road into the mountains. You can't miss it. So yeah, there's take one literally road. the one road you haven't gone. <laughs> they had satellite images earlier in the movie. Oh. I don't know why these people keep getting lost. At yes. one point when the parachute guys show up, they are not driving at all. They have just stopped and are playing poker. <laughs> It's really hard work getting to this wherever they're going. It's a lot of driving. Back in Marduk land, uh, a poor khaki fellow doesn't have his class A paper with him and has to be disciplined. And next time he'll lose his elite status. But we do get an update on Operation Intercept, which was the fight in the bar. Uh, Did we defeat them? No. All right. Well, then begin Plan B. Plan B is literally the name of plan b and operation water supply will begin in three days it's plan b elite ground core there's definitely yeah. more to oh. plan b although i'm i'm saddened that there's no operation involved in plan b no well that's because mm. operation water supply is going on only one yeah. operation at a time Come the operation on. was off screen when they crowded 30 of these t-shirted <laughs> yes. goons yes. into a pretty right. small land rover the clown yep. car of lackeys is coming but first yes yeah, steve and candy have a have a a, a a romantic moment before we move on to plan b there we first have to experience Operation Shoulder Lick, which is what happens right now. It's, <laughs> it's distressing. Annette, Annette, as the director of Smooch, how do you feel about the romance in this well, movie? Well, you know, I think it's a super high class thing. Please lick shoulders when you're trying to hit on women. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't really described Steve Chase other than the fact that, that he's basically ropey, but... Um, yeah. He's got but, great hair. He's a, the, he's, a ha- he's a haircut with a shirt buttoned yes. down to the waist. Yeah, I mean, the, the feeling he gives me is like somebody accidentally left David Cassidy out in the sun for a yes. long time. Yes! Oh, 
people are so tanned in this movie. It's yeah. amazing. He's like the beef jerky version of David Cassidy. Well, I, I That's mean, exactly I, it, what it, is. it felt like a we, we don't we don't yet know how skin cancer works era uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you can picture just a really thick length of rope that looks a little like with, David with Cassidy, but with top. blisters, yeah. but licking really your shoulder. That's that's the feeling you you get in this scene, and it's yeah. Again, they're on an important <laughs> mission to to save her father, and yet they have time to sort of like take a hot tub uh, interlude here. That is, I mean, that you is always spoiled. got time yes, for that. Hot dog, you it's spoiled. Yes. Um, which, yeah, which apparently they're doing in front of all four of the rest yeah. of their team members. <laughs> yeah. That team just, members just kind of watching. I guess they're just hoot. silently watching. Look, you travel with Steve K- uh, Steve Chase, you, you deal with this stuff. That's just how it is. <laughs> they do end up at the crossroads, which is a crossroads, uh, where there's a truck, and this is a... Uh, this is where this is the elite ground corps. <laughs> Steve, Steve, I have rarely heard you this excited than you are about the elite ground. I love corps. a good elite ground corps. Everybody knows that about me. Or as my notes say, here come the lackeys, a clown car <laughs> of lackeys in this place that looks very much like Frankenstein Island, but I assure you, it's yes. not. It's the road to Ironville. Uh, hot dog is bad at fighting, but he is wearing his shirt that says hot dog on it. So <laughs> that's pretty good. And we get and no space, by the way, between hot and dog. So this is a no. single word. It's, well, there's a space between every letter, though. So <laughs> this, this really, is probably I thought the, one acronym. of the least, hey. least exciting fights in the in the thing, and it kind of suffers from that classic oh, how do you uh, rank n- ninja problem of you know one ninja is scary, forty five ninjas is like oh you know like they're gonna get they're gonna get stuck under my wheels of my car. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, 45 more more forty five doughy middle aged people in blue shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah more karate extras <laughs> is not intimidating. Um, this is where Hot Dog uses his bag of tricks. He has thumbtacks, mm. which <laughs> which we saw earlier preparing us for this third act. I guess they go through his shoe or something. They're not caltrops. Yeah. Well, look, Monty, tetanus is the long-term killer. It's the long play. <laughs> this, is, by the way, is where, uh, where she calls Marduk Popsicle. Uh, mm-hmm. Right before he initiates Operation Skydive, because after <laughs> defeating the lackeys in the clown car, they have to uh, they, they have to defeat the skydiving lackeys. Um, although we do get important voiceover nonsense that's super boring about the solo karate. But the point is that the skydiving lackeys come out and they land and they fight while they're in the air. A trademark fly line question. Why are eagles wearing umbrellas? I guess he's talking about those obvious parachutes up there. Yeah, I think I think so. There now the the, the skydiving lackey fight uh, operation skydive uh, is amusing because they're playing a card game during the fight because they don't need to all fight the lackeys. The lackeys are so bad that they can just continue playing the card game until they they uh, they spoil the game. At which point, Hot Dog reveals that he had a royal flush for the first time ever, but now he'll never ever. Uh, play that hand it's a it's a real tragedy also yeah. at one point the tragedy of the movie they punch a lackey who's got one of his skydiving helmets he's got a skydiving helmet on and it cracks the <laughs> helmet open like it's a yeah. like it's a, a, a hard-boiled egg and i enjoyed that that is the single satisfying punch or kick in the entire movie <laughs> yeah. Be- because i was fully not expecting that i liked ken in this scene where hot dog is getting more excited he's like oh i'll raise you 20 and ken goes oh one more. One more. One more. Another 20. I'll see your 20 and... And one. One more. And two. And he's just taunting Hot Dog. And I really think it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. When he raises him 50, he goes, I'll yeah. raise you two. So, yeah, it's a good moment. Yeah, while the, while there is a fight going on around... I mean, this is this is a point in the movie where the movie understands exactly how absurd this it this is, and it is, and, and I kind of appreciate it when that happens. 
it's enough to put you off potatoes forever. It's another line that I wrote down. It's like, <laughs> oh, this this whole what, plot. this movie? So, uh, so they're going to split up and, and infiltrate the camp. Uh, at night. Yep, gorilla. Yeah, at night. Very important. Uh, <laughs> Briefly. Gorilla and hot dog, you're going to be the B team. I'm going to be on my own. And Candy, you stay here. What about my father? Uh, well, I, I need a driver, so you just hang out here. Uh, so that's the plan. We know that she never, ever stays behind, so we'll see her again later. They, uh, they, I believe they break into the uh, the camp in the daytime, then it's nighttime, then it's daytime again. That happens <laughs> very quickly. The actual breaking in is all at night. They break through some gates, but, so, but, but Ken is already on the other side of the gates, which I didn't understand. So it's like, how do we get in these gates? Ha ha, our guy's already in the gates. Okay. Yeah, hot dog's plan is he goes up to the front gate and yells, hey, open up in there. And they come out and, and then Ken knocks them out from behind. Yeah. It's a good thing we brought hot dog in his bag of tricks. Bag of tricks. There's, yeah, there's a brief and very exciting moment when we think maybe we're going to get to see more tricks from hot dog's bag. And he's mm-hmm. going to nope. present uh, the gate guards with what's in his bag. And then then uh, Ken walks up behind him and conks him. And yeah, we aren't going to see any more tricks. A lackey who is filling up a car with potato fuel. Um, blue blue potato fuel fu- uh, comes out of his mind control state and uh, has to be drugged to be back <laughs> in his s- mind control state. That's a by seven guards plus a doctor. Yeah. I don't think this is a practical way to rule the entire world. <laughs> All of whom have guns. <laughs> and the fly ambushes a guy in a porta potty <laughs> and completely changes clothes out of his jumpsuit into the other guy's jumpsuit and we see the naked guy unconscious in the, <laughs> in the porta potty yep. where he will be discovered immediately was i wrong was i wrong about economy of small bathroom <laughs> based no guns? you're right you're right so the weird thing about the fact that these guys all have guns is i don't think one ever gets used except one except for one at the very except, end yeah. and then the, and then the ones mm-hmm. at the beginning that uh, that uh, hot dog is dropping on the floor and throwing around the room but but yeah, throughout, like there are many scenes where guys briefly lower their gun like another couple of degrees of angle as though they're going to use them. But that's as far as they ever get because nobody ever shoots nothing. In the interest of no wasted motion, I will remind everybody that there's a moment here where Steve is in a fight and runs up the wall like he's <laughs> Donald O'Connor doing make him laugh. <laughs> I kind of like that stuff. There's a I... lot of runaround <laughs> shenanigans in this part. They are ultimately caught but spared by Marduk. Uh, he explains, these are my warriors, the elite of the elite. He's referring to the lackeys in the t-shirts, by the way, when he says this. All middle-aged and pudgy. We cut to yeah. a factory or a brewery or something that they're using for this scene. Uh, he explains his James Bond villain kind of thing. The there is scene. a very abrupt cut at one point where it's like literally they're outside and then the scene is now inside. And then they're in the brewery. And he says, you yep. see, freedom of choice is the real problem with society. We should tell them. It's a very Bond villain kind of thing. But what's really important here is that there are a bunch of blue barrels that came out of a Batman <laughs> episode that are labeled <laughs> Moscow and New York and other places where they're going to put the mind control drug so that they can take over the world. For five days, though, because... There's not a lot of drugs there. So um, they're going to have to fight the Optimus or mm. uh, or they'll, or Steve will be killed. Well, surely, Jason, if there was to be a tournament to the death uh, with their with our five heroes against uh, five uh, ne'er-do-wells, they would do a lot to insert drama where, you know, some of our adventurers would win and some would lose and it would mm. really surely, all come down to surely. And we'll- Steve Chase. Steve Chase <laughs> is the tiebreaker. Or if we recognize some of the people they were fighting, we would recognize all of the people they were fighting. <laughs> so before we get to that, though, uh, I believe there were operations we weren't privy to. 
Operation, who are the other guys who are make, doing this fight? Uh, they we, they go in and meet the doctor who is mixing lots of blue things. That's what he does. He mixes blue yeah. things. Right. Yeah, it's a good lab. Lots of colored liquid bubbling mm. through tubes and stuff. Whole yeah. A lot of Sharkleberry Finn Kool-Aid. So, uh, <laughs> and Steve Steve criticizes Minerva's hair. Her hairdresser, to be fair. He says she should get a new hairdresser, yeah. and she kind yeah. of gives him a pout How dare he? Yeah. Her, her. Also, he's wrong. Shame on him. I was, I was pretty neutral about Steve up until that point, and then I decided Minerva's the protagonist of the movie. She should be. There's also a movie where, the, or there's a moment where there, there's a girl in like a blue dress who's been taking pictures, and I guess the mind control war off or something, and like, you've lost your elite status, and they take her away, and I had oh, that no, moment. No, That's she, the mole. She was the one on She's the, the inside. She's oh, she mole. was the mole. The, the men, yeah. the men with the mustaches, uh, who you know we we learn. Oh we man, you've really unlocked are. the whole movie for me now. See Jason. <laughs> See Jason. <laughs> now just, it makes sense. Jason. Someone to on the truly, I just look to at that. Truly kill, you must kill again. Again, yeah. I just, I you know, obviously she's going to be one of Marduk's sex slaves now. That's just what's going to happen because this is what he does in this movie: is inject them with potatoes and then they do whatever he wants. Um, Dr. Kane, however, is not actually drugged. He has a fast metabolism or something, and, and it wears off in two days. He does, you know, Marduk has a lot of challenges to his plan. I would say, up, you know, lack of imagination in, in operations. Giving Steve Chase a, de- a lot of leeway with where he goes in the compound and who he checks in with after he's <laughs> the been only, Literally the is, only person who could destroy my plan. Why don't you hang out there for a while? Is at the top of my list. James Bond, I've captured you, but... Just feel free to like walk around, like stretch your legs, man. Yeah. Uh, I'll be in the other room. <laughs> You'll note when they're all being led out of the cell to uh, their various uh, gladiator fights that Steve is the last in the group of people, and he actually shuts the door behind them himself. <laughs> There's no guard there that does it. It's very polite. I like that cell with the door that they that they cannot break after they've shown us how tough and strong they are. That is clearly like just like a gate to somebody's garden or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Kane reveals that he's not actually drugged and that his daughter, and he says, my daughter or your daughter hired me. And he says, but my daughter's already here. <gasps> Twist. Oh, wow. Interesting. Steve is the one who said this lady was Horatio Kane's daughter, by the way, right up at the top. Yes. He said, I saw it in the register. Candy Kane with a K. Daughter of the famous scientist Horatio yes. Kane. It was all a plot. Uh, he says, I've made an antidote. You, you have to insert it in the water supply within 24 hours and then people won't get mind controlled. Um, and now, okay, so we're going to get to the big fight scene. This is like, you know, in those Star Wars prequels where they have the big fight where the, they tie people to poles and then the monsters come out. This is this movie's version of that. Uh, it's a little less impressive, but still. Uh, Only the, a little? The most, <laughs> the most impressive part, though. Yes, and I want, it's, it's like that scene from Star Wars, but with the length of the pod racing scene. I'm going to get my yeah. into my, this, this is going to be my tight five about t-shirts. Is everybody ready? All right. <laughs> okay. So, get it. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Incomparable Room. Up next <laughs> is, a, is a real big timer on the ride. He's coming all the way up from uh, uh, Arizona, San Diego. I don't know, some, somewhere on the West Coast. Let's welcome everybody. Hey, Jason Snow. Hey, everybody. Right. It's great to be here. This is Operation Tight Five. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst group name I've ever heard. I am out. Who's of this seen game. Kill and Kill again? Anyway, there's a scene in Kill and Kill again where they go into the arena, and there's a majestic panning shot that shows risers have been set up and everybody in the town is there to watch the ultimate five on five there's the, there's the top level but then we're going to have the undercard where four other friends of steve chase are going to fight randomly selected elite lackeys in order to make it more entertaining and we're going to pan across the whole arena and see everybody in town however 
there's a problem, which is we don't have enough T-shirts for all the lackeys. So what we're going to do is we're going to put some lackeys in the very first part of the shot. You're just going to be, oh, shirtless. And we're going to just, the audience is going to imagine that maybe there's like a shirts versus skins thing going on or something. But in truth, we just have run out of blue T-shirts. We only have the 50 blue T-shirts. So we're going to just pan away and we're never going to see the shirtless people again. You're going to ask yourself, director, why didn't you shoot with a couple of shots so you could like have the people in the blue T-shirts over there and then move them to the other side? And it would seem like it's all, it's like, no, that's too much work. The skins over here, shirts over there. That's right. They just had a rousing match of "Don't steal the bacon" yeah. in that uh, arena. So, and we're down to forty-nine t-shirts because of the hilarious sight gag of Ken being too big for a t-shirt. Too big for a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We lost that shirt, and we never get that back. And that's one more person who has to be on the yeah. skins. A for smarter this shot. director might have filmed that scene last, but not this one. <laughs> nope, not going to happen. So anyway, what we will pan over the audience, and we'll see those people who are shirtless, and then uh, we'll never see them again because. Uh, we are embarrassed that we only have 50 t-shirts. So anyway, uh, thank th- that's that's my bit about the Kill and Kill Again Operation Stand-Up. <laughs> hey, hey, let's, let's hear it, everybody, for Jason. Jason <laughs> Sn- <laughs> Snile? Snail. Tip your Jason, server. Jason yeah. Sn- please tip your servers. <laughs> Call me if hot dog, everybody. If you didn't do the two-drink minimum, we're going to have to throw you uh, into Hot a mind control cult dog so. is Jason the closer of this show <laughs> yeah Jason I mean Jason closed real strong I just they're, they're, they they didn't have enough shirts people that's all I'm saying they didn't have I enough shirts I literally though spent so much time going like did I miss a group like where where are they come from like what are they I think I missed there's the khakis the lackeys about it. and the shirtless exactly and the shirtless like what are, who are they what are they doing so the arena fight happens and it is again this is um there's undercards well, the arena fights but yeah, fights. it might be fights you might be forgiven for be, for mistaking it for a single arena fight because it is basically five identical fights before the fight yeah. starts Steve says there's just one thing Miss Kane or whoever you are oh yes I know and she says well I can explain He's like, uh, uh, she says we have no time. The fights are starting. And it's like, that's it. Okay, never mind. I'll explain later. I'll explain later. <laughs> he was going to lick her shoulder Suspense. again. That's why she had to get out of there quick. And this is exciting because we have not seen Hot Dog be a remotely useful at any point during the movie. And eh, he wins his fight. Sure, he does yeah. it by no-selling all of the other guy's stuff. But Right. So the way this works is, is uh, so Ken fights and wins because he's super strong. Murmur, murmur, the crowd, murmur, murmur. Billy fights, he wins, murmur, murmur, murmur. Fake Candy Kane fights, she wins, murmur, murmur, murmur. <laughs> and then it's bring on hot dog, right? Bring on hot dog. Yeah, I think he skipped the fly in there. Oh, the yeah. fly is yeah. also, I mean, of course, the fly. Well, the fly uh, is also uh, present. You did hear Jason say Billy fought, so Jason yeah. saw the fly I, fight. Well, Whatever. Billy They're... fought the guy who was driving that truck. Yeah. Oh. It's a law of the oh, conservation yeah, yeah. of lackeys. Yes, and somebody fights the, the leader of Operation Skydive as well. So <laughs> there are at least a couple of mini-bosses that we get in our mini-boss gauntlet oh, man. at the end. So Hot Dog, though, the, this is the moment that I was waiting for for the whole movie because it's like, oh, man, Hot Dog's going to have to fight by himself, but Hot Dog can't fight. Hot Dog doesn't know how to do anything. He's outmatched, and, and he gets 
the movie has him like he's he he doesn't know what he's doing and there's somebody else there doing karate and so they punch hot dog and they kick hot dog and hot dog's trying to get away and he you feel like oh man hot dog's gonna get it here they're not gonna run the the table hot dog is not gonna make it out of this fight and it, it at is some a point, real white knuckler and then at some point it seems like hot dog just figures out that he could kick this guy in the balls <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hot dog wins but he doesn't do it cool like that like you yeah. want him to have tricks like haha I use sand because I'm not the karate guy but nah, it doesn't happen no, no he just sort no. of waits for his moment and gets his leg right between the legs of the other guy who then yeah. goes down and that's the end of that guy i, I give that's a great deal of credit economy to emotion the, <laughs> no. the, the guy he's fighting the guy he's fighting does a great job of not hurting his his scene partner which is a huge thing if you have ever done stunt work or ever done stage combat is they're the guys that are like, yeah, I'm really good at this and I can make things look real cool. Are, are you saying but that the, the actor best... plays hot dog doesn't know what he's doing? I think you are saying well, that. No, no, I'm, <laughs> no I'm, say, I'm saying the other guy sells like, you know, the throat punch that hot dog doesn't react to. He like the, the, the reason he doesn't react to it is because the guy performing the throat punch on him is not yeah. really punching him in right. the voice oh, box. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does survive um, and, the throat punch, and he's fine. Like that to me he's is fine. the most impressive part of that fight is seeing the stuff that Hot Dog no sells <laughs> because it shows how good the guy who is right. fighting him is because he's managing to not hurt this completely incompetent guy. One of the ways that you win at karate is by not understanding it, and then the punches can't affect you. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. that yeah. Yeah. That's in the, that's in the deleted scene, right. the scene yeah. where Steve walks back and forth in front of the group and explains that bit of knowledge. <laughs> he kicks him in the throat, and he's like, I don't even know what that was. Now kick not you understanding balls. is an understanding in itself. Oh, wow. I've seen this movie a lot, and I don't guarantee Steve doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Steve versus the Optimus. This is a fight with no wasted motion in that Steve flips and jumps in the air and jumps over uh, and does a whole bunch of stuff. It's entirely wasted motion. And my notes basically say there's a lot of, yeah, where he jumps. (laughs) And then a moment that is, again, almost Frankenstein Island-like where in his last move before he defeats the Optimus, there's kind of like also like video game sound effects happening in the background. As he defeats uh, the guy. Hot dog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's it. They but win. also the whole time, Minerva's going to Marduk going like, are you sure this is a good plan? Yeah. This plan doesn't seem to be working. And are you sure? Did you what notice that you lost four fights? <laughs> Minerva's read of the line, they're making us look like idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, she knows what's happening. Oh, that that she didn't know she was on camera at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> She's talking about the director. She's the best yeah. thing in the movie. But but no, but it's okay because Marduk, this is all part of Marduk's plan. Because as he says in a more James Bondian sort of dialogue, you'll not defy me of my victory, Mr. Chase. I shall have the last laugh. You'll not oh. be the Optimus until you defeat them, your friends, under my control. Drink the liquid serum. This would be really really tense if we hadn't already seen dr kane give him the tablet that is the cure for the mind control serum thereby <laughs> making it quite clear that he's not going to be controlled but they uh they surround him and he after he drinks the liquid and uh those about you are your enemies you shall kill them he's uh, only if, if only john carradine was playing this part <laughs> Um, but don't kill them again. Just kill them the first time. Don't you don't have to kill again. Uh, anyway, they they instead they pick him up and throw him in Marduk. 
And this, this is after they all, as a group, all throat punch him simultaneously. Yes. Mm. And he goes down and then they pick him up and they, they use him as a projectile, which quite honestly might be Steve Chase's ultimate form as a weapon, which is just a slab of meat being hurled at the villain. You've seen me flipping. You've seen me doing twists. You've seen me doing gainers. Operation Dead Weight. <laughs> Watch me do nothing. At this point, Marduk is getting so mad that he's his voice is sounding kind of shrill. He's like, he's like, I, Marduk, command you. And it sounds a little like Tommy Chong in Yellowbeard. <laughs> so uh, he makes Marduk free them over the PA. Although there's also a moment, too, where um, only he gets the sound like he's over the PA, but occasionally he says things to Steve. Uh, and the, the microphone's still in his face, but those don't sound like they're coming over the PA, which I appreciated as a thing that's impossible <laughs> and wouldn't actually happen. Uh, but he, he says, you're free. I'm no longer your master, uh, which puts the lackeys on a rampage. He says, you know, I I am your I am your enemy. And I'm like, well, we're still using mind control on the lackeys. We're just making them do something different. That's not great. And, and he and- just freed them, too. Why are they listening? With the yeah. power of one chokehold and one little wriggle, Steve Chase convinces the bad guy to set his entire army of karate slaves on himself on himself and then but then wait but then he leaves and they let him leave it's just it's 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 amazing it's like tell them tell them to tell them to attack you no no i'll never so they're gonna leave in the mini helicopter steve steve like jumps over the wall by the way uh they leave the backflip total (laughs) gymnastic they're gonna no waste (laughs) they're gonna leave in the mini helicopter (laughs) but guess what ken grabs the helicopter blade because again it's a very small helicopter so he just holds (laughs) onto the helicopter blade and they're like maybe the ultimate line for marduk let go do you hear I am Marduk! <laughs> yeah, I actually buy that. I don't know that this is an unnaturally strong thing to do. This is a small helicopter. It's a very small helicopter. <laughs> I was waiting for the, the helicopter part underneath to start spinning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that like, sounds like would have been so good. Oh, my. Uh, Minerva so gets good. out and runs away. Candy Smart. kicks her in the stomach, which knocks her out. Yes. <laughs> which is a shame, but it means she survives. Uh-huh. But do we never see Minerva after this point? No, that's it. She's done. Okay. Yeah, she's she took her stomach punch and that's it. Uh, so then guards show up. They yell at Ken out of the way. Ken says, "I don't think you ought to shoot those." Ken gets out of the way. They shoot anyway, and the tiny helicopter explodes. Very flammable. <laughs> these tiny helicopters. And Marduk is dead. It is an amazing it's where Marduk pinto. basically says, uh, "Let go," or, or no, he says, "Like let go, alien, or I'll shoot." The guy says. The guard says. So Ken let let's go. At which point he shoots anyway, which explodes the helicopter and kills Marduk. Yes. So the one kill in the movie happens right here, just to point that out. This is the kill. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just wait for the kill again. <laughs> Structurally, I think it's weird that Marduk is dead now, but we still have to have what they undoubtedly considered the best scene in the movie to come. <laughs> yeah, so the, 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 the guy who's been sort of the right-hand man... Uh, among the khaki set for Marduk is going to get the formula from Dr. Kane, your formula or your life. He says, well, she'll die with me. And he he has the gun and it's very dramatic and he fires the gun and we see slow motion firing of the gun, slow motion, the bullet flying across the room, at which point Steve jumps from behind the doctor, reaches out 
and blocks it with like a thing that he's holding. Except if you watch, it, it bounces off like a fingernail or something. I'm not really. <laughs> yeah. it, was that was that like a like a fireplace tool? Like it's yeah. an a, ash a coal tray, shovel. Or yeah, something? it's just a yeah. It's I've a always flat... thought it was one of those like ashtrays you get in a lobby. Yeah, or like... maybe like andirons, but yeah, it's something like it's just like flat metal so- something or other. But but again, it looks like it hits his hand that he's holding it and it hits his hand. But they only had the one slow motion shot, I guess, with the bullet. So <laughs> mm-hmm. th- that's the one that they use. And then it's followed. This is the dramatic, amazing moment. And it's followed with this exchange. Steve, you okay? Yeah, fine, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the first bullet time in movies, everybody. (laughs) It's actually pretty good. It's a good shot. I rewinded to watch it again. It's very quick. Somebody on the IMDb goofs did point out that there are no rifling marks on the bullet. Also, the timing is a little weird because Steve is climbing up the outside of the building for no reason. And then you see the... (laughs) Bad guy, pull his gun, cock it, shoot. The bullet starts moving very slowly. So he's already shot. And then Steve comes from behind Steve the Steve emerges <laughs> from behind the guy, yeah. yes. To deflect well, it see, with when you don't waste out. any motion, you can get there yeah. quick. That's true. It's fine, buddy. Fine. So the doctor has destroyed his stuff. He has his real daughter with him. The the candy cane that we knew is actually a government agent, but she's had enough working for the government. Hot Dog has now taken control of the parrot, which we haven't even mentioned. We had a comic Thank relief, you for mentioning the comic relief parrot at a few points with the most fake dubbing Bob in the world. Circle. But now he's with Hot Dog. So, boy, that parrot's going to say some filthy stuff. Oh, God, that parrot's going to die in one of his gun games. Uh, What do you mean that's racist? I'm eating this parrot. And then we get the super awkward goodbye scene where it's like, so, Doc, are you going to come with us? He's like, no, no, I shall stay here and, uh, you know, uh, drain the tanks Uh, and drain the vats. Finish my work up and I don't want to bother you. So he can't go? Is that what that's about? Sometimes sometimes you just got to drain the vats. You do. We're just going to leave this mad scientist alone with the mind control. Yeah, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. And I'm sure there's no lackeys who are going to come back looking for their T-shirts. So, uh, hey, why doesn't somebody else drive for a change? And they're like, oh, no, that means Ken's going to drive. And they uh, and they zip around the corner, uh, driving recklessly. There's a bunch because of- Because he's so uncontrollable like an animal. The last line is, watch that curb. And there's no curb on that road. Yeah. A bunch of loud, obnoxious crash sound effects as if all the characters died on the way to the end credits. Uh, we can only... <laughs> that was the kill again. That the, was the kill again. Oh, yeah. Good point. Time. Good point. The end of Kill and Kill Again. So, what have we learned, everybody? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, a lot. I, learned, I think I learned a lot about Monty. I think I've unlearned a lot about the world. <laughs> Annette, what did you learn? Well, you know, I what it wasn't so much what I learned, but it was what I forgot, and now I remember was just that casual like women draped around in bikinis and all that sexism oh, yeah. of the eighties. And it's like, oh yeah, all the shows used to be like this, yeah, and now they they aren't. And I just kind of like both loathed it, but it was also amusing at the same time because it's so bad. And yet I kind of like Candy Cane, yeah, <laughs> by Minerva. And Minerva, Minerva is yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I I love headcanoning the Minerva movie that that happened either before or after the or other before and after angles. all of this and during. Um, quite frankly, you know, I I realized that I could have dedicated myself to something important and and myself been the Sun City International Martial Arts Confederation yeah. Man of the Year <laughs> um, if I'd really focused on anything. I mean, the the problematic elements of the movie are are such that. Um, I think they are emblematic of their time and um, not something that uh, th- that there's a coherent defense for. Um, but it's it is not 
so bad that it's unwatchable. Um, it is, thank God we are, we are a fair ways past this, um, in, in a variety of respects. Um, and the sheer ridiculousness of it, it, it is still something that I can watch and rewatch despite the problematic stuff. Yeah. This is a dumb movie. It is so dumb. It's really so dumb. But the thing is, watching this movie, I was reminded that this really, other than maybe an extra layer of incompetence, really is not that different from any number of hundreds of other movies and TV Mm -hmm. shows that were out around this time. I mean, it's, it's. I wish the fights weren't so boring, but like the general dumbness of the 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 show and like the wacky music cues and the comedy that's not really funny is pretty standard issue for 1981 entertainment. The the confidence of acting like these characters existed in a piece of media before this to the extent that this movie does, that in and of itself is brilliant. I think that this movie has a magical like mixture of because I think you're right Steve like there are a lot of movies that are kind of like this and a lot of TV shows that are kind of like this. Um the magical mixture here is that it it the stuff that it does badly it either knows it's bad at it or it's very funny how bad it is at it. And yet it never feels super boring other than the fights go on a little bit too long. But like it it has this I don't know it it has a geniality about it. It it I never felt like I was wishing for death while watching it, which there's so many bad movies and boring movies. I was like, right. this is like, it's carrying me along. Cause it's like, it's got this layer of competence and, and then a, a nice veneer of incompetence. And, and that mixture, you know, when it goes badly, if something's just incompetent, it's terrible. And when it's just bad, it's boring. And this one is like a little bit of both. And that's what, why I, I thought that it was kind of charming is that, you know, it's not universally bad, but the stuff it's bad at, it is hilariously terrible at. But then there's other <laughs> stuff where it's like, it's competently made, you know, at points. It, it's just terrible and, and written badly. And, and the actors are, you know, they're, for the most part, they're actors because they are doing their, their punching and stuff and not actually acting, except for the characters who can't fight. With the notable exception of our lead and, uh, and um, what's her name? can't even think of her Minerva. name, Candy Kane. Oh, Candy Kane. I think everybody actually acquits themselves pretty well. They're given ridiculously awful and banal things to the say. The writing is awful, yes. But they're they're doing their level best, and they're not pulling it off because it's impossible to pull it off, but I think they do a pretty solid job considering. How else are you supposed to do hot dog signature cigar move, but the way he does it <laughs> is my question. Yeah. Like, I, I watched this a lot when I was young and stupid, and I can certainly acknowledge there's horribly racist parts like it's telling that i don't want to say names of characters Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the parts that i love i still love very much because they're so weird very strange like that russian roulette scene (laughs) what are you talking (laughs) putting that in a movie when like in the outline just says and then they meet the weird guy and the weird guy's doing something weird most movies don't have the guts to have to invent their own Russian roulette. Like, I honestly, I want to believe that the actor who played Hot Dog came up with that. They were like, so what are we going to do? We have a warehouse and a gun. So what do we do? Oh. Which is us next weekend. Yeah. 
But I do think my favorite thing about this movie was that it put me back in mind of being a nine-year-old and watching this kind of crap mm-hmm. because it was everywhere. And it was there oh, yeah. was a real mm-hmm. nostalgia that I got watching this. Yeah, for the it first was time. very familiar, like so familiar, even just like everything about the style. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, I spent a lot of time watching stuff like this. One of the reasons that it sticks in people's memories from even, yes, it was running all the time, but the reason that people kept watching it was because there is something in there and it is as, as wildly um, incompetent or far-fetched as the ostensible plot and um, theoretical script. Um, you know, I, were the, the thing that they pull off is dedication to the bit and you can have the crummiest bit with some of the worst components, but if you commit to the bit, well enough, then someday you may hit the heights of, of young up-and-comer Jason Snell uh, <laughs> joining us on the stage one last time. I I want to point out that uh, Vincent Canby reviewed this movie for the New York Times and <gasps> just... The gray, the gray lady. How... Uh, <laughs> but how could... But what? The most notable thing about the review is that he refers to the mind control drug obtained from potatoes as looking very much like blueberry vodka and may well be, (laughs) at least from the way the people who've taken it go miserably staggering around the madman's premises. Nailed it, Vincent Campy. You nailed it. I mean, if if Wikipedia is to be believed, this movie at one point was the number two movie in box office receipts in America. So yes. one weekend where only one movie was released other yeah. than this movie. <laughs> and it still only made it to number two. <laughs> yeah, the year 1982 was such a vast overcorrection because of things yeah. like that. Well, what can I say? We killed. Yeah! We didn't kill again. But that's okay. Maybe no. next time. Keep waiting oh, for I that like second this movie kill. Way better than kill it. Killer Be Killed, the first movie, which has a Nazi doctor and a little person. Okay. Good to know. Well, Monty, did this uh, did this experience satisfy you getting uh, your friends to watch this movie at last? Well, I can only say this. I am very happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not all of the actors. I think that says it all. Uh, let me thank the rest of my panel for joining me for this rocket surgery. Annette Weirstra, thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Buttercup. <laughs> Tony Sindelar, thank you for watching. He's got the franchise. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Lutz, thank you. Uh, thank you, Jason. And um, sorry about all the damage. You can just charge it to my suite. Ah, and Moises Chuyon. I don't have a suite. Thank you. I'm going to need $5 million. I'll cover my own expenses. <laughs> uh, well, you should have listened to the lady, Poopsie. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. <laughs> we'll be back with something very different next week, I hope. Uh, but until then, goodbye. Bye.